When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to NFL Live, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. NFL Divisional Weekend is almost upon us. We're down to just eight teams vying for the Lombardi Trophy. We'll get to all of it, all these games in the next 60 minutes. But here on NFL Live, we start the day with some breaking news. And for this one, the Ravens are making changes. Offensive coordinator Greg Roman is stepping down. We get right to Adam Schefter. What do we know here, Adam? Not a big surprise here, Laura. I think a lot of people thought it would go this way. The Ravens often struggled this year. I think both sides had a mutual interest in exploring other avenues. And so Greg Roman stepping away. The Ravens are making a change. They are one of 10 teams in the market for a new offensive coordinator. And this offense struggled as the season went on. Yes, Lamar Jackson was gone. But no, the offense did not perform the way it had in recent years when it had been a top-shelf rushing offense. And so I think the Ravens were looking for a different look. I think Greg Roman was looking for a different experience. The two sides come together. They go their own ways. Now Baltimore is in the market for a new OC. More from Adam throughout the show. And the Ravens addressed the media earlier this afternoon. Head coach John Harbaugh explained how this decision will affect Lamar Jackson's future with the team. Listen to this. 100%, you know, 200%. There's no question about it. Uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson is our quarterback. I mean, he's been our quarterback. Everything we've done in terms of building our offense and building our team, uh, how we think in terms of people and put people around him is based on this incredible young man and his talent, his ability, and his competitiveness. And Greg's a great coach, and he did the best he could every single week, every single day. Great family, uh, uh, you know, another great competitor. So, you know, I, I, you know I leave, I leave, we leave that era kind of. You know, we move into the next era now in terms of our offense. And, uh, and I, did, I did ask Lamar about it, you know, and, and he will be involved in it. You know, I'll keep him abreast of what's going on, and I'm sure he'll have some input along the way. Okay, so just so everyone hears that again, you hear Harbaugh there saying that Lamar Jackson will have a say in who they yeah. hire as the offensive coordinator. How do you think that affects his ongoing contract negotiations, Adam? Listen, I think they made it very clear today. John Harbaugh, the Ravens head coach, and the general manager, Eric DaCosta, that they're not planning on moving on from Lamar Jackson, that they do want to restart contract talks and try to work out a long-term deal. They were highly complimentary today of Lamar Jackson. They didn't show any signs that they wanted to or were willing to move on from him. You heard John Harbaugh there say he wants to include Lamar Jackson in the search for a new offensive coordinator, take his input, and therefore Lamar would be comfortable with the offensive coordinator they choose. They're going to try everything they can to entice him to sign that long-term contract that they were unable to agree on last offseason leading into the regular season. So the signs today out of Baltimore were very clear. The Ravens made it known that they want Lamar back. They want to figure out a way to get that long-term deal done, and they will include him in that search for a new OC. More coaching news is coming. Adam's going to hang tight for that. And, you know, it is interesting as we bring in Dan Orlovsky, Marcus Spears, and Keyshawn Johnson, how in today's day and age, a lot of players, especially quarterbacks, looking for more ownership on the team. And you hear 
that's the direction that the, yeah, the Ravens sure. are coming out and saying. But let's go back to moving on from Greg Roman. Dan, does the move make sense to you? Yeah, it was needed in Baltimore. And this is probably one of the biggest offseason news and moves that we will have in the NFL is who's going to be the next guy. Two things could be true. One, Greg Roman in Baltimore had one of the best, if not the best, run game designs and productive offenses in the NFL. The second truth is their pass game never caught up to that run game. Hmm. And that's really why this move was necessary. The Baltimore Ravens were never going to take that next step, and Marcus said it two years ago, unless the pass game evolved. As great as their multiple tight end package was and Lamar running this offense, the pass game never caught up, and it has to for them to contend in the AFC. You know, the interesting thing about this, no matter who the offensive coordinator is going to be, Dan, and Greg Roman did a good job when he was given the keys to the car, and then eventually that car ran out of gas. They got to go get a big-time wide receiver, no matter who's calling plays. I don't care if yeah, you implement the same mm -hmm. system that you already have or you completely change it. And let me ask you this, Dan, because you would know, you would, you as a quarterback, could a guy like T. Martin, who's on the staff already, who called plays in college, played the quarterback position, and has a really good relationship with Lamar Jackson, be kind of the passing game coordinator, maybe? Because you know John Harbaugh likes to give guys with the first opportunity chances to do things and bring guys in. I wonder if they're thinking inside the building like that. Yeah, if he's got the relationship, it makes a lot of sense. I always like one coordinator, but if they think that that's what's necessary to go to the next level, I can see that for sure. Yeah, we'll throw out some more suggestions too here, too. It's a, it's a good question to ask. Marcus, what do you think? Well, I, I mean, Dan really alluded to it, and I've been screaming it for a long time that they just needed to evolve. They needed more nuance. Um, and, and no need to reiterate that. I think a name... If, if a guy that is not is, is fine with not making a head coaching move, I think a name should be Eric Bieniemy. It's been a creative offense with Patrick Mahomes. It's been an offense where you can implement a lot of the run game that we've seen already in Baltimore, but also a guy that can evolve the passing game because he's been around Andy Reid and under that tutelage. I think that would be a name I would explore if I was the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, so names are going to get thrown out. I, yeah. I, I want to know this, though, Dan. What type of offense do you think makes sense for Lamar Jackson, assuming that he's still there with the way that they are now? The other thing, too, hoping that they get a big-time wide receiver in the fold. <laughs> I honestly think a pro-style offense. I think, I think the, yeah. that's what Lamar's best at. I, we pigeonhole Lamar to just being this run-only centric quarterback or run dumb. I, I, Lamar's at its best when he runs a pro-style offense. That's where he ran in college. I throw, I'll throw out five names. One, Bobby Slowick, who's the passing game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Hmm. Imagine him in that offense. Number two, Brian Johnson, who's the quarterback coach in the Philadelphia Eagles. That is a pro-style offense with that wrinkle mm -hmm. of quarterback run. And then I'll throw out Jeff Levy, who's a college football coach, offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Josh Gaddis, who's the offensive coordinator at Miami, but he was at Michigan. Imagine the Harbaugh yeah. family ties. And then Tommy Reese at Notre Dame. I think all three of those guys, and the big thing is this, get the passing game to be married and matched at the same level as their run game. You know, Levy's interesting to me because uh, he obviously had a lot of success at Ole Miss as well. That was a high-powered offense. Right. These are college offenses, but still. And then uh, Levy has actually been tied to Alabama, so maybe there's a little battle there between Nick Saban and the Ravens if they ended up going down that path. Let's get to more breaking news. Tampa Bay will be looking for a new offensive coordinator. And, Adam, it was... Time to move on from Byron Leftwich. Tell us a little bit more about what happened here. 
Well, think about this. This offense really struggled this year. Hard to blame it all on Byron Leftwich. The offensive line struggled in pass protection. They couldn't run the football. And if you think back to one year ago, Byron Leftwich was a finalist for the head coaching job in Jacksonville. They decide to go with Doug Peterson. Leftwich returns to Tampa. The offense never seemed to be able to get on track this season. Run game, non-existent. Pass pro, not great. And so Tampa decides to do a major shakeup, an overhaul of its offensive coaching staff. And basically, let's go of the entire offensive coaching staff today, led by Byron Leftwich, who again, a year ago, was mentioned as a potential head coach candidate. And so I think there's a lesson there, right? If you get a chance to get a head coaching job, you don't want to waste too many of these opportunities because mm. you never know when they do come along. And so now Byron Leftwich is looking for work at a time where there are 10 teams with offensive coordinator openings, and he just went through a rough year. The team went through a rough year. Neither side comes out better for it. Yeah, you know, all of us are putting Brady on all these other teams. Any sense on how this move may affect Tom Brady's future with the Bucks potentially? I don't think it has any bearing on Tom's future in Tampa. That's my belief. I think Tom Brady has to come to the conclusion of whether or not he wants to play again. We heard today the Baltimore Ravens come out and say Lamar is going to be involved in our search for a new offensive coordinator. Now, Tampa didn't come out and talk, but I don't imagine that their message would have been we're going to include Tom Brady in our search for a new offensive coordinator. Two different tones out of two different buildings with two offensive coordinator changes. Tom has to decide whether or not he wants to play. And then if he does want to play, where he wants to play and whether he wants to play for a team that he believes is capable of winning. So right now, again, there are other things that Tom Brady is far more concerned about and who's going to be the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? More coaching news to get to in just a bit. So Adam's sticking around for that. Marcus, let's stick with this right now. What do you think about them moving on from Leftwich in Tampa? Yeah, I mean, I think Chef alluded to it. Productivity is a big deal, but also creativity. And this offense was stagnant. And to his point, it was some things that transpired that was absolutely out of Byron Leftwich's hands, especially with your offensive line being depleted and not coming back with the same type of guy. So, you, you know, I think this is a move forward for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This may be one of those course resets. I'm of the mind that Tom Brady will, won't be in Tampa. I think he'll be retiring. Uh, I know a lot of people differ in that, but I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are resetting a course now to try to figure out not only where they go from Tom Brady, but where they go offensively, philosophically, mm. and how they move forward in the future. Yeah, totally necessary move. There was zero connection for this offense. I'll go back to the year they won the Super Bowl in 2020. I remember being on the show talking about, well, they don't use motion at the snap. Play action pass. They started to do it. They go on to win the Super Bowl. I remember saying they're, they're so dependent on elite execution. Well, they can do that with the Hall of Fame wide receiver, Hall of Fame tight end, number two wide receiver that's as good as anybody in the NFL, Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the best right tackles in football and the best center in football. Yeah, so you could be execution dependent. Last year was the same thing, except Gronk was still there and A.B. was playing at a high level. This year, some of those pieces went away. This offense didn't convert a single third and 11 this year. This offense was a good play-action pass offense. They barely did it. So I understand like people's feelings are hurt about this. This is a production-based business. The, you, there's no way you watched this season. And there's no way you watched that game on Monday night and didn't think, my goodness, we got to rip it all the way down because it's mm. a colossal disaster offensively. This was necessary in Tampa. Whether people want to admit it or not, it was needed.
I, I don't think it was needed. I don't think it was necessary, Dan. And I do believe that my feelings are hurt in this situation, and here's why. I've been close to the situation in Tampa because I played there. This is a repeat offender situation in Tampa. Ultimatums being given to coaches all the way back to Coach Tony Dungy as far as Lovey Smith. And now we're looking at it and we're seeing Ty Bowles. That's what it smells like to me because you mentioned 2020, no creativity. They went on to win a Super Bowl. They were healthy. Then last year, when they got healthy, they looked really good. This year, it was a broken-down football team. They didn't have – Leonard Fournette was not the same guy. Evans in and out of the lineup. Godwin in and out of the lineup. No Gronkowski. The defense is in shambles. But yet and still, I know the ownership group down there, and this is not far from them to give coaches ultimatums, and I'm disappointed in Ty Bowles, and I know you want to certainly say, and everybody wants to say, well, what is he supposed to do? Certain times in certain situations, you're supposed to step on the table for your assistant coaches. Now, if there's something going on in between Todd and Byron in particular, I don't know. But I know coaches that I've been around will step on the table for their coaches and take the bullet for them, and I don't see that's the case with Ty Bowles. So, yeah, I am a little disappointed. A little bit. The, the lack of connection. There, there, there's no connection between what this offense does, run game and pass game. The reality is this. I understand that there was a depletion of talent because of injuries. I'm watching the New York Giants play on Saturday night. Don't talk to me about how talented they are on offense. Their coaches have been complete difference makers. And in Tampa offensively, that wasn't the case. That's the truth. Well, both, 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 both of y'all feelings can be taken in, uh, into account. And I lean more towards UDO because I don't know the people in Tampa. All I know is what I watched was a terrible offense this year. Terrible. Now, there are reasons for that. But I also saw Absolutely things that, that could have tried to help them not be who they were offensively. And nothing ever changed from week in to week out. And I think that's what we look at as the outside looking in. Like, what are you actually doing with all of these mishaps that's happening around you to elevate the level of offense? And it seemed like it was the same old thing every single week. Yep. Yeah, let me just say this too, guys. Over the last two seasons, the Bucks have used play action at the lowest rate in the NFL. Over that same span, Tom Brady has the league's highest QBR on play action. So it's like, here's on a silver platter. Here's how you can fix it. And that still didn't happen. I know there's a lot of context there, but still worth pointing out. All right, Adam, more coaching news as we go to yeah. Miami. What can you tell us there? Busy day. The Miami Dolphins fired their defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, one of four coaches that they let go on the defensive side of the football today. They also relieved of their duties the safeties coach, Steve Gregory, the outside linebackers coach, Ty McKenzie, and the assistant linebackers coach, Steve Ferenc. So there were some wholesale changes on the defensive side of the football for a team that didn't feel like its defense performed up to expectations. Remember them going out and getting Bradley Chubb mm. midway through the year, right before the trade deadline, signing him to the big extension, and then not getting huge results down the stretch. So whenever a team struggles in an area like that, doesn't fulfill its expectations, usually there are changes that follow. The changes that followed today came on the defensive side of the football Four coaches let go, including the defensive coordinator. Yeah, Adam, the Dolphins' defense ranked bottom 10 in the league in both points allowed and defensive efficiency this season. More news from Adam coming, so keep it locked right here. And we're just getting started on NFL Live. The Bengals are going into Buffalo with a beat-up O-line, but he has doubt if the Bills can actually take advantage of the matchup. He'll explain. Plus, will Jalen Hurts be back to his true form this weekend? Someone here says the Giants need to keep the ball in his hands for a shot at the win. 
We'll talk about that. NFL Live is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Glad you're watching NFL Live and time to read and react to some news and notes from around the NFL. We begin in Kansas City where Chris Jones has been the league's best interior defensive lineman. Here's a scatter chart to prove it, okay? The further to the right a player is, the higher their pass rush win rate is. The higher on the chart a player is, the higher their double team rate is. So you see Chris Jones in that top right corner. And yeah, that's because he ranks first in pass rush win rate despite being double team at the highest rate. What are you going to do with this guy? Well, apparently nothing, but how about this? On Saturday, he'll line up across from Jaguars guard Tyler Shatley, who ranks dead last among all guards. In pass block win rate this season, good luck to Shatley. Uh, Marcus, how are you game planning for Jones with this Chiefs pass rush? <laughs> um, triple team him, I guess. Um, <laughs> trying to figure out how the hell you can get him to not play in the game. Ultimately, you got to, one, move your quarterback. That's number one. And two, if you're Jacksonville, you get Travis Etienne and some easy throws, easy access for Trevor Lawrence. And I'm not just talking about running the football. Screens, dump offs into the um, out to the flats, over the center of the line of scrimmage. You hold it too long, Chris is going to get you. So that's the key. I thought you were going to say pray. Sometimes you say that, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Okay, that next too. up, Joe Burrow, who made it very clear that he didn't mind playing on the road as an underdog this week in Buffalo. Listen to this. I always enjoy going on the road. It's... Uh... Just you and your guys. Feels like it's you against the world, and that's that's where we like to be. Do you feel like an underdog going into this game? I never feel like an underdog. Key, you like that mentality? Man, I love him. He just got so much swag, unlike them <laughs> stale quarterbacks of the past. He just got swag all the way around. You saw it in college. You see it now. Dude, walking with mink coats and Cartier glasses. He just makes you as a player feel like I'm rocking with him. I'll say it again. Not like them stale, boring quarterbacks of the past, Dan. <laughs> I feel like you're talking about someone in the studio. Shut up, Sorry, Laura. Dan. Well, I don't know. He said stale quarterbacks, Dan. <laughs> anyway, Key, you, you never miss an opportunity to just give something to the quarterbacks. Man, Dan, Dan is like my brother. He knows. He knows. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. The Bengals defense, meanwhile, will have their hands full with Josh Allen. Head coach Zach Taylor talked about the challenges that the Bills offenses possesses. Not only is he a great player, but they've got so many 
good skill weapons that um, it just allows the quarterback to, to take advantage of the, the matchups or the open zones, and you don't really have to force the ball to anybody. And so that's that's they just got such a wealth of talent there, that receiver at tight end, at running back, and of course a quarterback um, that it allows you know those guys to, to win their matchups. Dan, if you're the Bengals' defense, how would you game plan for Buffalo? Well, I think that Josh Boyer, their defensive coordinator, they actually just fired today, did some good stuff to force Josh Allen to play uncharacteristic last week. So on first downs, there's got to be a very specific, specific mindset. Now, Josh is incredible. We all know that. But on first down, I'm going to give Josh what he doesn't want. Everybody knows that on first down, Josh is this aggressive playing quarterback. I do not care the personnel or the grouping or the action. Give Josh what he doesn't want. What Josh doesn't want is that check down over the ball because it's not fun. All these defenders that you have for D, you give nothing over the top. You give nothing in that secondary, get your secondary or second level guys to get great depth. I'm going to give you one thing on first and second down, and that's not going to be a flat route. It's not going to be an intermediate throw. I'll give you the back over the ball. That's all you get, Josh Allen. Can you get him to get over aggressive and make a decision to push the ball down? Because that's not what he wants, that easy check down. That's step number one. Third down, now I'm going to get you to go where I want you to as a defense. Imagine if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, and this is Trey Hendrickson. This is Jalen Phillips, okay? A elite speed rusher. What you tell him to do is get up the field right now. Josh wants to get to his right. Right now, that speed rusher up the field is going, you can't get through. You see this wall right here? Josh, you're not getting there. I want you to go to your left because I loop on the backside with these defenders, and now Josh thinks, great, I got something to the left. While I do that, there comes this double team on Stephon Diggs. Uh, Gabe Davis, one-on-one. -on -one, other Steph, you're going to get doubled. Go to the left for Josh Allen. And the third thing, just a little bit of mousetrap. Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard now, speed rush. Just get up the field, guys. All I want you to do is use speed to get behind the quarterback. Josh gets aggressive in these moments. Climb the pocket. Now I'm going to tell my two defensive tackles, you're not going up the field. All I want you guys to do is build a wall right in front of the quarterback because those speed rushers are going to get him to climb the pocket. Again, when I do that, Steph, you're going to get doubled. Somebody else, you got to win. We're going to spy Josh. He's essentially going to run himself into exactly where we are. Josh is an elite player, a great player. He is ultra, ultra competitive. First down, give him what he doesn't want. Third downs, double step, and then yeah. take him where you want, maybe to his left or up into the pocket. Easier said than done. Cincinnati's got the mindset and the people to do it defensively. He didn't play great last week. This is a blueprint that can be copied. All right. Yeah, they're so good on third down. By the way, I'm glad your ears got back a hold of that IFB. How that are my ears so big and IFB? I don't know what's going in. on. We need to figure out the tension there. Like, get a zoom in on that. Let's see. Stick that thing in there. Come on. Uh, by the way, Dan, you're not as stale as Keith thinks you are. <laughs> Maybe that's it. You got too much wax in there. All right, still to come as the 49ers get set to host the Cowboys on Sunday. We'll tell you how Dak and company can cause big problems for this Niners defense. Don't miss this. You're watching NFL Live presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. He's on breath stale. <laughs> What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. 
Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. You're watching NFL Live presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Hey, the postseason NFL countdown crew has you covered for the divisional round Saturday morning at 10, Sunday at noon on ESPN and the app. Player features, early breaking stories, injury updates, and previews of each game. So glad you're with us here on NFL Live. Sunday's divisional round matchup between the Cowboys and 49ers features two quarterbacks coming off historic performances. Dak Prescott just became the fifth player in NFL history to record four passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in a single playoff game. His rookie counterpart, Brock Purdy, has become just the youngest player to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in a playoff game, surpassing Dan Marino. Oddsmakers currently have San Francisco as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but ESPN Analytics actually favors Dallas on the road, giving them a 53% chance to win. We bring in Ed Werder now with more from Dallas. And Ed, what is the mood around this Cowboys team, knowing that they didn't fare as well against the 49ers last year? Yeah, different than you might expect. The Cowboys uh, were eliminated in last year's playoffs by the 49ers, embarrassed uh, to be truthful. The Cowboys were a division champion and yet the only home team to lose in the opening round of the playoffs. It was a game they never even led. Dak Prescott sacked five times, pressured 20 times. And having lived with that memory for more than a year, it was evident in the Cowboys locker room just now that the rematch with the 49ers is exactly what this team wanted, even playing on the road, even playing on a short week. Most definitely I did. Um, I think this whole team did. Um, obviously, using that loss last year as a, as a motivation and just kind of um, the, the focal point, I guess, of the resiliency that, that we carried uh, into the offseason, obviously carried into this year. Um, yeah, we get a chance to, to, to um, go back and um, at their place, uh, do, do something that, that we want to do. This is who I wanted. This is who I wanted. I mean, uh, people like to go around, ah, oh, if they lose here, we uh, this the three-headed dragon, we need to cut off one of the heads off, you know? I don't care who it is. We got to line it up. Because either way, you're going to meet them at some point. You're going to be ready for your moment. I'd rather now than later. Well, a major issue for Mike McCarthy to resolve is the status of kicker Brett Maher and whether his confidence can rebuild after becoming the first kicker in NFL history to miss four extra points in the victory over Tampa. In the portion of practice that we observed today, Maher in the wind went six for six from an unknown distance while Tristan Vizcayano signed to the practice squad as a second option this week went three for five.
And Laura, when I asked running back Ezekiel Elliott how much the players here support Maher, he answered, it was actually the best moment of the whole day. We got faith in him. We're not going to turn our back on him. Last week, we didn't really need him. But this week, we probably will. And then he laughed and said, so get your bleep together. <laughs> wow. Ed, honestly, every single piece of that today with the Cowboys, I'm like injected into my veins. What Micah Parsons is saying, my goodness, Dak Prescott. Now you got that from Ezekiel Elliott. Incredible stuff. Thanks to Ed there. Key, if you were Dak in that offense, how would you attack the 49ers defense? Well, first of all, I'll get into some half personnel, three and four wide receiver sets, maybe even some empty at times to kind of spread them out. Because when you when you stay in tight formations and you got Fred Warner and you got Nick Bosa and Ormstead and those type of guys, you want to go after what the Seattle Seahawks were able to do going after Traverius Tra War. We got so many Traveriuses going after him and watching what he was able to give up against the Seattle Seahawks. Nine targets, Laura, seven receptions for 105 yards. They went after him. They stayed away from a guy that people thought was the weak link in D'Amador Lenore, which I feel is the best corner in, in San Francisco right now. He had an interception that game. He's not afraid to mix things up on the tackle side. But I'm looking for Ward. That's the one guy I want to go to. And I know a lot of people saying, well, wait a minute, he's supposed to be the best, best corner because they paid him as such. But that's not always the case. That's not always the case. I cannot believe on January 19th of 2023, I'm going to agree with Keyshawn Johnson. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, why not? You what is me? happening? Uh, listen, yes. you said something. I'd spread them out, and I'd live in empty. Uh, two questions. Who are the best players in the 49ers defense? That's where you start. Bosa, Fred Warner. I want them taken yes. out of the game. Where yes. are they weak? They, they are weak when you throw the ball outside the perimeter quickly. Now, this is a defense that's great, okay? This sounds easy to do, but the coverage that they play, which is a zone-based coverage, they're going to give you some of the space to the perimeter. I remember talking about this with Kurt Warner earlier in the week. Get in those empty sets and spread them out, and the ball's got to come out right now. If that corner's going to stay off, now you got to be very methodical about it, and your quarterback's got to make great decisions, but you want to create those matchups, and I would even do this, Key. I would take my tight ends and tailbacks, put them on the outside, and I would move those wide receivers on the inside so they do get some of those matchups as a wide receiver against the linebacker. Ball's got to come out quick. I'm taking so you Nick Bosa go, out so, that way so right you, now. So you want to go with a personnel group and then go split wide so that the receivers are inside the tight ends and the backs. That'll give you recognition and being able to see exactly what they're doing. Let the corners cover the tight ends and backs in zone. Let the linebackers cover the receivers. What do you think, Marcus, about this game? I think a lot about what Kia D.O. just said, because literally my note is backs and check downs to your tight end. I mean, backs with your check downs and tight ends, quick access, free throws, right? Get back in rhythm. You want to try to be explosive against the San Francisco 49ers. And I know a lot of people say, well, why would you do that? Because that's the way you have to try to score on this defense. But also last week against Tampa, which I think travels, you saw Dak get in rhythm after those first two drives by just taking some of the easy access and letting guys turn up the field and make some plays. Like this out route right here by the tight end. That's a simplistic route. That way you get them out of the middle of the field with Fred Werner and Greenlaw, who people don't talk about enough, who is a damn good linebacker as well. But also you get Dak in a rhythm, and when those shots come, hopefully from time and time again, those guys having to come up and make plays, they don't sink as much 
in coverage when they play in that zone, and you can get over the top and try to make some hay over the over the top of this defense. I think that's a great plan for this offense to try to go with this week. The big thing is the ball's got to get out now. I mean, mm. if you get into these third down yes. passing situations with the overload front that San Francisco's got the ability to give to you, you will not be successful in this game. Ball has to get out quick. Just back to what we heard from the Cowboys with Ed Werder, I don't think they're lacking any confidence right now at all. <laughs> they yeah. seem ready for the game. Okay, time now for a FanDuel same-game parlay. For that, we turn it over to you, Dan. Okay, over under 300 passing yards for Patrick Mahomes on Saturday. I'm going to say over. Um, this Jacksonville wow. defense, that's been pretty good. They played two good, two good quarterbacks over the past six or seven weeks. Jared Goff and Dak Prescott, they've averaged in those two games 300 yards. Patrick Mahomes, the best in the NFL. Over under 40 receiving yards for tight end Evan Ingram. I will say over in four of the last five games. This Kansas City Chiefs defense has given up over 40 yards versus a tight end. I'll say over. I'm very mean at times right now. Yeah, you are. Look at you. Um, okay, speaking of tight ends, does Travis Kelsey score a touchdown? Yes. Too good of a player, too creative a quarterback in the red zone. Okay, you've heard our picks. Now you can use those or make your own to build Come a on, game I need parlay with FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Get to, to it, people. Still to come, will designed runs for Josh Allen lead the Bills to a win? Well, Dan tells us how the quarterback's legs can get him settled in this intense game. We know that environment's going to be crazy. We've got a lot more coming your way on NFL Live. Some news to get to next, too. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Busy news day here on NFL Live as Adam Schefter jumps back in with our top stories. Adam, let's start in Baltimore and the shakeup on their coaching staff. What do we need to know? Lord Greg Roman is out as the Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator. He's moving on. They're moving on. Both sides wanted to go make a change. And so Baltimore now will be in the market for a new offensive coordinator. And they say they will include Lamar Jackson in the search for a new offensive coordinator. Even though his contract is coming up, they want him to have a say as to who will be the guy. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fire Byron Leftwich along with basically their entire offensive staff. Wholesale changes in Tampa. 
No idea whether Tom Brady will be back, but they're not waiting around. They feel like they need to revive the offense. And Byron Leftwich, one year after being a finalist for the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching job, is now out as the Buccaneers offensive coordinator. Jason Peters dealing with a hip injury, missed his second straight day of practice, which does not bode well for Sunday afternoon's divisional playoff in San Francisco against the 49ers. It looks like the Cowboys will have to make do without him, without J. Ron Kirst, their safety as well, dealing with some injury issues on a short week. And the Eagles, right tackle Lane Johnson is off the injury report and is expected to play on Saturday against the New York Giants. Missed the last two regular season games with that groin injury. Don't know that he's going to be at full strength, but he is going to be out there, and that is big for Philadelphia's offensive attack. And the Cincinnati Bengals have their own offensive line questions. We already know Lel Collins is out for the year. Alex Kappa, Jonah Williams not practicing. Doesn't seem like they're on track right now to be able to play on Sunday. We'll see if they can somehow make a comeback, but that would be something missing Collins, Kappa, and Williams on an offensive line that last year in the postseason struggled to keep Joe Burrow healthy. It was the focus of this team during the offseason, and now that offensive line may be a question mark again on Sunday in Buffalo. Yeah, Adam, we're getting right back to that game in just a second, but I just want to go back to confirm something. No J-Ron Curse, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Man, that one hits you. We all we all heard you say that for sure, and we're like, woo, goodness. Uh, something to pay attention to, and we'll keep an eye on that here on NFL Live. Thanks to Adam there. All right, let's get to the Bills and the Bengals. Staying with that game, a key factor to watch will be Buffalo's offense against Cincinnati's defense on first down. This season, the Bills are averaging the third most yards per play on first downs, while the Bengals' defense ranks 28th in that area. If Cincinnati isn't able to key, chain, key the chains long for Buffalo on second and third down, it could be an uphill battle for their defense, something specific to watch out for. So, Dan, if you're setting up the game plan for Josh Allen on Sunday, what do you think yeah. it looks like? Calm. If I was going to use one word to describe how a quarterback needs to play against Cincinnati's defense, it's calm. Two things to do that for Josh. Number one, in my first 15 or 20 plays of this game, I would have like six to eight designed quarterback runs. Hmm. Two reasons why. This defense, Cincinnati, struggled with it a little bit facing Baltimore last week. And Josh is just this highly wired, ultra-competitive kid that getting him hit early on could be a good thing. And then the second thing is this. I don't believe that the best 11 guys on the field include three wide receivers for the Buffalo Bills. I actually think putting a second tight end on the field like Quinton Morris hmm. is a good thing. Putting their, uh, their fullback on the field Reggie Gilliam is a good thing. Now, I don't believe that Buffalo has to live in that world, but just getting him settled into this game by just hit, 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 allowing him to just, okay, I'm in the game, and then maybe putting different people on the field so they can just potentially turn, Josh, take a playoff mentally, hand yeah. the ball off. Just some of that stuff to get him to play the most calm game possible. It's interesting because he's been pretty candid about his pregame nerves and things too, Josh Allen has. Yeah. It, it, it's a real thing for him. Marcus, give us a spot on the Bengals' defense you'll be watching closely on Sunday. Yeah, it's wild. Think about how far we've come. Dan said, get the quarterback hit <laughs> to get him in the game. That just, I just had to process that for a second, but it makes all the sense in the world, even though it's not supposed to make no damn sense at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the other side of the ball with the Cincinnati Bengals and how they deploy Mike Hilton, because I think Cole Beasley now implemented, and we saw him and Josh kind of get on the same page, is going to give defenses problems. Mike Hilton is the slot corner, but they like to bring him off the edge yep. a lot. Legereus Sneed led the league at 59. He was second in 44. 
And look, you don't want to live in a world where you blitz Josh Allen because you take you miss opportunities and don't get him on the ground. It turns into explosive plays. But I think more so now, Lou Anarumo has to be very creative in how he's going to defend that slot position with Cole Beasley because that could become an issue for the Cincinnati defense as well. Uh, really interesting, guys. I do want to, while we have just a quick moment here, go back to that J. Ron Curse news. Yeah, uh, you reacted audibly. So did you. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I just remember Monday, Ryan Clark talking about how they played multiple safeties and that curse was such a big deal because curse actually played the nickel. We talked all week about the importance of the matchup for Dallas's defense and all the different pieces that San Francisco has. And you would imagine curse would be one of those guys that can play in space, tackle really well versus a guy like Debo. Mm. I, I think that's a big loss for their defense. For me, the first thing came to my mind, who matches up with Kittle? Because he was the guy. Yeah. Body size and in on in on the second level with the rapport that's been built with Brock Purdy and Kittle. This is a big one. Now. This ain't small. All right, so now we're gonna put our brains on that and try to figure out who's gonna match up against Kittle. I felt like you were gonna say somebody, but I don't I even don't know. know, right? I it's don't know. not a good go answer to it. I'm gonna okay, go to the we bathroom. got more coming your way on I'm NFL Live coming up next. How will Wink and the Giants defense combat Jalen Hurts and his weapons? Hear who Marcus thinks will pose the biggest challenge in Eagles Giants. NFL Live is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The reimagined Pro Bowl games are coming to Las Vegas. The first five events of the skills competition Thursday, February 2nd at 7 Eastern on ABC and ESPN. The final four events Sunday, February 5th at 3 Eastern, and it all culminates with three seven-on-seven -seven flag football games. Peyton Manning coaching the AFC team and Eli Manning coaching the NFC team. We will be there too. Cannot wait for that one. Let's talk Eagles Giants this season. Jalen Hurts led all quarterbacks in designed rushes with 99 of them, 22 more than the next closest quarterback in Justin Fields. However, when the Giants and Eagles played week 18, Hurts had just one designed rush. Yeah. It was just the second time this season he had fewer than five designed rushes in a game. And of course, a lot of that has to do with the health of his shoulder. Our Eagles reporter Tim McManus had this to say earlier on SportsCenter. An interesting moment at practice on Wednesday. So the Eagles do this ball protection drill that finishes with them doing a front roll onto a mat. But when it was Hertz's turn, he went up to the mat kind of gently and flopped onto his back. And that speaks sort of to what we're hearing behind the scenes, that Hertz isn't 100% yet, and that he runs the risk of re-aggravating that SC joint if he gets hit wrong or if he falls on it wrong. Certainly, the Eagles know how vital his running game is to their offense. Makes it more explosive, no question about it. So I expect them to have more designed runs than they did in the regular season finale against New York when Hertz was just coming off of that injury. But they want him here for the long haul. And so he's going to have to be careful about avoiding contact when possible to make sure that happens. 
really interesting from Tim there. Important distinction between re-injuring and re-aggravating. Tim saying he could re-aggravate the injury to his shoulder. Key, do you expect Hurts to be used as a runner on Saturday? You know, I really, I really don't. You see, in Week 18, there they, they did design run one time, so to speak, and then so you, when you look at what they do from an offensive standpoint, if I'm Week, the defensive coordinator over at the Giants, I'm not changing anything I'm doing. I'm telling my guy Swaggu, when we blitz, make sure you're solid and sound, and you're not in harm's way. You're not running wild. You're under control because otherwise you're gonna give him the opportunity to now pull the ball down take off and slide, run out of bounds, and if they decide to run him on design runs, you make him pay for it. You make him feel it. Yep. I, one, I think you have to run him. This is win or go home. This ain't week 18. I think number two, the Giants cannot play in the same defensive structure that they did last week versus Minnesota. If they do, they'll get RPO to death. I think that they have to treat Jalen Hurts like they would a defensive player. Move him. And I think the way you move him is that right shoulder, that's where you pressure him off of him. You bring the pressure off the right side and maybe drop people off the backside because you don't want to play A.G. Brown one-on-one. -on -one. Get Jalen to just shuffle, shuffle. These are difficult throws for right-handed quarterbacks. It's something that Jalen struggled with more last year than this year. And then also, when you pressure off that side, Marcus would know this. You stunt the way to try to get some pressure, but you put an athlete out there as well. So Jalen, who's an incredible athlete, doesn't have anywhere to go. I think Week Martindale has to live in this world of like, yo, here comes the pressure, Jalen, and it's always going to be off your right, but do not press A.J. Brown. Hmm. I understand you want to play man coverage. I'm actually okay with that, but I think you play a little softer, maybe give some completions underneath. You can't allow the ball to go over your head. No one did it better than Philly this year when it comes to that. Dio, I love what you said about the athlete because you. Th this is about chase down when you force him to the way you want him to go. It's and, and look, Jalen, he is fast. I know it's deceptive speed, but he can get going. So you're gonna have to have a real athlete over there. The other part of this for me too is Wink did a phenomenal job, kind of changing his stripes and taking Justin Jefferson away. You got to do the same thing to me to AJ yeah, Brown. Good point. That opens up for Devontae Smith. All right, and, and he is probably the most pristine route runner. So that works out for Jalen as far as a guy that can get open fast, create space fast, and you can throw with anticipation. I'm, and, and usually, what we've seen when A.J. Brown has been garnered with that much attention, it has been Devontae Smith. For Minnesota, it was T.J. Hawkinson. I'll have my eyes on Devontae Smith this game to see if he becomes the number one option. I think somebody will become the number one option, clearly, right? But then when you look at these receivers on the giant side of the ball, you got to pay attention to them. I know they're not getting all the love, but they got some weapons over there as well. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you kind of mentioned that earlier, Dan. With Giants receivers? Yeah. yeah they're good in space. I, I don't think I've said this all week. If Philadelphia is going to play that soft zone, Daniel Jones and Hodgins could have a good game. I would expect them to be much more aggressive top to bottom. Yeah, we're going to pick all these games tomorrow, by the way, on NFL Live, so keep it there. Oh, come on now, Keith. All right, time for one more thing before we go. Scale. We it's check in on Trevor Lawrence and his love affair with Waffle House. So what's your go-to dish with Waffle House? It depends. Uh, that night I got the Texas bacon cheesesteak with hash browns with cheese and a pecan waffle. So it just, it depends, yeah, I was. So, so sometimes I'll get the all-star, you know, depends how I'm feeling. Covered, smothered, Dog, chunked, 
Can I ask a question? To Dan's you never been to Waffle House. Yeah, never go been ahead. to Waffle House. Grill, Marcus, Dan. Hold on. Dan, please. the grilled chicken. <laughs> Is it pecan or pecan? I say pecan. What do you say, Marcus? We say pecan from the south, but I need to call Trevor Lawrence and ask him how the hell you don't gain 30 pounds every time you I eat a waffle. I know. Because that's what happens what? to me. You well, me like too, but that pecan <laughs> is good. We'll see you tomorrow at NFL Live. <laughs>